0: The content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose any medical condition, replace the advice of a healthcare professional, or provide any medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Copyright 2020, Fireteam Whiskey, LLC, all rights reserved. Welcome to the Warrior Wellness Podcast, a podcast for military members, veterans, and first responders focusing on fitness, health, nutrition, and biohacking. Our mission with this podcast is to introduce America's heroes to lifestyle habits and hacks that will help them live healthier, happier lives, and in turn, be fit enough to continue their support of their communities and country.
1: This is Captain Stephanie Lincoln, and we are here with Mike Ergo, and I'll tell you a little bit about him, and he's going to spend some time talking about who he is, what he's doing, um, and why he's doing it, and where he's come from, and all that good stuff. but. Um, this is part of our warrior wellness series. So, why do we do this warrior wellness series? It's because we all know that the biggest hurdles in life, especially with our, our fitness and nutrition journey, is to overcome those mental barriers that we put in place. This is where we get stuck. This is why, you know, the goals we make just go by and we never achieve them. And we look back. And we can't figure out why time and time again, we run into this issue that we just kind of get in our own way, so to speak. So Mike has definitely experienced that himself. And um, I w- would I invited him to come on to our Warrior Wellness and do a Warrior Wellness video with us because I think his experience can speak to um, a lot of you guys and gals um, watching this right now and maybe inspire you a little bit about no matter what, no matter how maybe dire your situation may seem, that there is hope and that there are a lot of things under your control that you can start doing today in order to get on the path to healing. So um, in summary, Mike is a a Marine combat veteran and he is currently the director of a vet center. He is an Ironman finisher and among all of his accomplishments and everything that he's done which he'll probably talk about with he's done these just amazing feats of, of physical <laughs> prowess
0: and he does long races and,
1: and rucks and, and all sorts of swimming events so he's just a marvel of, of uh, physical accomplishments but he's also the author of a book. So um, we will be including that actually as a button right underneath this video. So you can click on that to download his book. And the book is called Transitions for More, Reconnecting with Mind, Body, and Spirit. So thank you so much, Mike, for um, giving up your time today on a Friday, right before you're headed out and into the mountains to um, spend some time talking about you and your journey.
0: Steph, I'm, I'm just glad to be here. No, thank you. And it's it's been so cool to connect with you over the last couple of weeks. So uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't miss this for the world.
1: Thanks so much. So um, let's just start at the beginning and um, can you just give us a, a brief summary of your service with the Marines?
0: Yeah, I joined the Marine Corps. I signed up for the delayed entry program in the spring of 2001. And at the time I was Huge into band. I did all the bands Martian band, jazz band, uh, symphonic band, pet band.
1: Oh, you were uh, a band geek? <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, 100%. And I joined the Marine Corps to be in the band. I did the audition and I passed. And that was my original MOS. And so I was really excited about that. And then 9 11 happened. And I was in the delayed intro program too because, you know, I hadn't finished high school. And then I had a finished high school over the summer because I didn't graduate. And after 9-11, I, you know, went into boot camp and just had a change of heart. You know, I ended up going to the band school for a little while and decided that I'd rather be in the infantry. And long story short is that they were happy to oblige my request and sent me on down to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, where I did the school of infantry and was stationed out there. And I, I loved it. I was so happy I made that switch. It just wasn't, I, I love music, but it wasn't for me. I couldn't do that at that point in time. And so I, I, I trained and, and I learned how to be an 0311 rifleman and deployed to Iraq for the invasion. Didn't do too much. My unit really didn't do too much during the invasion, but then we deployed again in 2004. And that's when things got very real. That's when the insurgency really started to fight back and you know used IEDs so you know I started losing a lot of friends we lost 21 people in my unit that deployment and that's where things got really crazy I mean we fought in Operation Phantom Fury in in November 2004 and it was up to that point at least the largest urban combat um, battle since Way City in Vietnam and it was, it was a whole month of just kicking in doors and trying to shoot people before they shot us, and I survived that, you know, most of my friends did, a lot of them didn't, though, and I came back with a lot of survivor's guilt, and at first, I think like a lot of uh, vets will tell you, you know, you get back from a combat deployment, and it feels good to get back, you know, there's this honeymoon phase of, oh, I'm back here in the United States, and, you know, eat the food you want, sleep in, you don't have to walk around wearing body armor all the time, but Pretty soon after that, you know, symptoms of what I was later diagnosed with PTSD showed up and I, I started seeing things out of the corner of my eye, started just having what felt like a heart attack or panic attacks all the time. And I just any, any memories of, of things I saw um, started to just play on loops in my head. And so I did whatever I could to get away from that. We're talking about, you know, just booze, drugs, sex, like everything, binge eating, like whatever I could not to have feelings. And so, you know, I ended up getting out honorably discharged in 2005. And from there, uh, you know, I have been dating um, uh, the woman who's now my wife and we moved in together and I started going back to school and working part-time. But, you know, fitness took a backseat, nutrition took a backseat. Because I realized later that I didn't plan I didn't really plan to survive after a while being deployed and, in, in, you know, in urban combat, I just kind of given up and surviving. And so when I got back, I had no plans for the future. I was just kind of trying to do whatever I can that felt good right in the moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, I, I remember I, I kind of, you know, of course I've done a lot of research on you, Mike. So <laughs> you, you specifically said that, um, you were forty pounds overweight, you know you were you were into drinking and, and drugs and and your relationships were kind of falling apart and um like you said, you were doing pretty much everything you could to not feel and yes. I think you know I think that um short of you know the 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 drugs but every everything else on that list, I think all of us you know for being honest have turn to at one point or, or the other to not feel, you know, kind of quote unquote. So, you know, I may not have experienced the trauma that you have, you know, of, of losing, you know, like you said, 21 guys, I think in your unit. Um, but you know, we all have kind of our own traumas in our life. And we turn to those socially acceptable things like eating a lot and drinking a lot, you know, and just like, I mean, hey, any yeah. of us who, who are watching right now, you've been in the military or you've been first responders, it is totally socially acceptable to get shit-faced drunk. Like,
0: oh, yeah. So just it's expected, it right? Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> and, and frequently. That, frequently.
0: Oh, that's the thing. And, you know, pain is pain. It doesn't matter how how you got it. Pain is pain, and we do what we can to to avoid feeling it, especially if it's overwhelming. Yeah, and also it also includes things to numb out or detach, like maybe binge watching things on Netflix, looking at our phones all the time. You know, just kind of like tuning out. There's so many things we can do to avoid confronting like what's showing up for us in the moment.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's it's also along with that denial, um, and that's why I love your story because you know you acknowledge not only kind of the mental denial that you were in but the physical denial that you're in right so you you kind of punish your body and you're not being aware of what your body needs anymore of the the need to move the need to have good nutrition right and then yeah. that that starts that kind of negative spiral because you're you're probably um, missing out on essential nutrients and vitamins and things that your body needs and your brain needs to feel better mentally, right? So you're kind of going yeah. in this getting
0: this bad coping. sleep too.
1: Oh yeah, and and the sleep, yeah, yeah, that too. So and especially with PTSD, you know, that that's definitely affecting your sleep.
0: Well, and, and it's interesting. We talk about uh, you know PTSD and depression too. You know, I I realize I've had depression lifelong, and it didn't start you know after I got back. It just got you know, expanded quite a bit too. So all kinds of, you know, nasty feelings. Uh, But I was listening to Dr. Rhonda Patrick last night talk about how big a role nutrition plays into contributing to symptoms of depression and especially eating pro-inflammatory foods blocks, uh, I think, the reuptake and the production of serotonin, among other things. And so there's so many things that just kind of make it worse. And so it's this vicious cycle you know, I do things to feel better in the short term that make it worse in the long term. And then when I do try to go work out, I try to work out like I was doing, you know, squad PT in the Marine Corps and I just thrash my body. You know, when I haven't like worked up to it. And I'm I'm not being kind to my body. I'm just trying to beat the shit out of it. And, you know, like a Marine. And I run in, you know, basically I, I run as hard as I can. I lift as hard as I can, do a lot of calisthenics and then inevitably get sore uh, get injured and then you know I'm out of shape because I can't work out for a few more months where I just kind of lose the motivation and that would happen a few times too and then I drink and uh, do whatever I can to to try to feel a little bit better and I was just I was getting fatter and fatter and not only was I fat but I'm also um I'm also a ginger so I have pale skin and red hair so like three strikes you know (laughs) like
1: Oh no. (laughs) So, um, what was your, you know, most of us have an aha moment. Most of us have a, you know, kind of line in the sand moment where we realize that our life is not going in the right direction and it's kind of we turn around and pivot. And, you know, I've shared my story, um, before plenty of times on um, our warrior wellness series. But for me, it was seeing a picture of myself on Thanksgiving day in 2015 and seeing how not just overweight I was, but just how sick and just, I just did not look well. And that for me inspired my movement towards optimal health to find a way to do this for the rest of my life. So what was your kind of pivotal moment?
0: There were a few and it, I think it was like a train starting to wobble on the tracks and starting to really go off the rails. So, I had found some purpose and I had found some hope by talking to a counselor at the vet center that I ended up working at. And, but I was still, you know, dealing with, you know, is it worth it? Should I be here? Should I kill myself? And all these kind of crazy questions. And, It really hit me I was in school to become a social worker and uh, I was listening in on a session with somebody and I realized that despite all this therapy I'd done this stuff just hit me to the core and so I felt things more I think on just an emotional and spiritual level first and eventually I started like I had to withdraw from school for a few months and I was able to catch up and graduate on time I don't know how but I started noticing that I was feeling like shit. I started to notice the inconsistencies in my life. You know, I, I was, I don't know how it came about. Probably one morning, just really hung over, just tr- starting to replay things. And, you know, so, some things that really pop in my mind where I, you know, I have this big tattoo on my chest and it says Semper Fidelis, always faithful. And I thought about all the times I had not been faithful to my own wife. And I was like, what a fucking lie. What a piece of shit I am. And I started to notice like, what, what's, what's my deal? Like I'm, I have these, these values and I have these morals and, but I'm not living by them. What, why is that? Because I, cons- I considered myself one way and I was acting in another. And so interestingly enough, a lot of these revelations came about as, an, as the result of uh, ingesting edible cannabis because if you really take like a, a, a deep dive you know, if you have an edible and you go really deep, uh, you are confronted with all the things in your unconscious that are uncomfortable to look at. And I started seeing all these things like that I was doing and avoiding, you know, not just, just things from combat, but things in my life in general. And so I saw the inconsistencies. I started to eat a little different. And I started to notice that, okay, if if I'm starting to eat more vegetables and not just, you know eat, you know, pizza and, and pretzels and beer. I feel a little bit better. I'm looking a little bit better. But the really big moment came when I was going through this therapy group and it's and talking about like radical honesty with ourselves and facing our fears. And I realized all these things, I, I was living this lie essentially. And so I, I told my wife, hey, look, I, there's these things that I've been hiding from you. I haven't been totally faithful. I'm drinking and using a lot more drugs than you think and my life is just chaos you know i I, she had no idea i was like riding my motorcycle blacked out drunk excuse me just trying trying to die in a way and she she left for a little while and she called me up and she said this is it you know like it's either you stop cold turkey no more drugs no more alcohol or this is over and i knew that i loved her more but i was terrified because I'd never known since I I think I was 18, you know, I had a solid, you know, 10 year run of just using alcohol all the time and life without it seemed terrible. So it was a big, you know, addiction problem and feeling my feelings. But then after that, I was sought new ways of feeling good. And I remember going on a run because I had this friend who got me a registration to a half marathon for my birthday and at the time, I told him, I was like, man, this is kind of a fucked up present. Like, I have to, like, work out. I, this is stupid. I have to work out for this present. And, but, like, after a couple of weeks into it, there's this first two weeks of my body's, you know, like, just getting all the gunk out of the system and, and things are a little sore. You know, those first week and a half to two weeks can be miserable. After that, though, I have this distinct memory of turning a corner in the neighborhood i know exactly where i was i was i was going past this this one church in a certain house and i just felt good like in my body i felt good and i, I was a feeling i had not had in a long time and the only time i could feel good was if i was really fucked up and so, so then I was like, oh maybe there's something to yeah, this really fantastic.
1: wow that's a great idea too so anybody watching right now um Get your friends who are, who are kind of off track a gift of a Fire team Whiskey membership.
0: <laughs> yes, there's something, you know, it's, it's funny because there's another way that, like, I was able to have my ego used uh, to, to really help me. And I'll explain that. So I had a Vietnam vet who came to my work and he said, hey, here's, here's, here's what I'm, I'm thinking. I want to get a group of vets to do this, uh, this open water swim and so the idea is we'll all take a boat out to Alcatraz in the middle of the San Francisco Bay, jump off the boat, and then swim back to San Francisco, and it's about 1.3 miles, you know, what do you say, and I looked at this guy, I was like, no, I mean, it's cold water, I hate swimming, I hate being cold, and there's this huge current, and there's sharks in the water, like all, like, no, 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 and that's where he had this little like subtle like little card he just dropped and it was so beautiful he just goes oh yeah yeah I mean it's 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 not the easiest thing in the world you know the the people I've taken through this you know have struggled with it you know but when I've led these Boy Scouts through it you know when they were getting their merit badges they were like 12 or 13 they they seemed to really liked it and and, you know they, they did it but you know, maybe it's just, maybe it's a Boy Scout thing. Maybe it's not really for you. And if you can't hang, I understand. And it was so subtle. And I was like, oh, this guy just called me out. This guy <laughs> gave me that no balls challenge. And so I said, well, I have to do it. And, you know, I did it out of spite in in a sense. And I did it kind of to check this box. But I ended up like, I ended up really liking open water swimming. And there's a lot of science behind that too, that, you know, we can touch on, but, the, the point being that, you know, I, it was ego driven for me, even at that point, I was like, I have to do this to prove myself, but he was able to harness my ego and recognize that to, to use it for good. So it was pretty cool. So that same thing, like you're saying, like you get, you get your friends a fire team whiskey membership, you give them a registration for some kind of race, and you just drop that like little thing subtly then, uh, at least especially for men, you know, we, uh, we don't like being called out. So it's a great tool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So yeah, that's, that's a great friend right there. All right. So, um, my next question for you was how the heck did this all lead to you finishing an Ironman? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, that's a big leap, and I know that's not the only thing you've done for sure. I mean, there's there's a long list of of physical feats that you've done, but um, I mean that's huge in itself. Just completing an Ironman, being an Ironman, like that's like the the coup de gras of, of you know a, a physical accomplishment. So you know, going from somebody just signing you up for a half marathon to being in, and finishing an Ironman—how how did that happen?
0: I think along the way, there was a couple of things: that that half marathon and that Alcatraz swim. There, there were two things that were beyond my comprehension of what was possible of my body, and those were at least at least um, doable enough for me to attempt it. You know, it wasn't a full Ironman, but someone said, Hey, here's a half marathon. I was thinking, okay, I've ran probably six, seven, eight, maybe eight miles at a time in my life. So I'll I'll try it out, you know? And once I did those things, I said, huh, okay. You know, like maybe like, I didn't think I could do it. I tried it. I did it. You know, what else could I do? But I didn't really know. And things kind of came together. And I have since come to stop believing that coincidences are merely coincidences because so many things have happened along my path once I really opened myself and had just this rigorous honesty and this rigorous introspection and facing my fears and we were in I was on vacation on the big island of Hawaii in October of 2014 and my wife's family like some uncle we barely know had a timeshare and we kind of we, we used it with our family so we were there the same week coincidentally as the iron man world championships and i was looking around i was seen all these like really lean people walking around with like compression socks and spandex and i was like what is going on here you know there's all these people with this high-tech gear and bikes and there was just certain buzz about it that was pretty exciting like it was really exciting to be around and so i started looking up, you know, what is the Ironman? I, I, I've heard of someone my dad works with who's done it. And so I started saying, okay, wow, there's a 2.4 mile swim on 112 mile bike ride. And then a 26.2 mile run, you know, marathon all together, same day without stopping. And these people that I, were, I was looking around at were going to do it. And I was there and I was like, this is hot and it's muggy and it's windy. And we watched the race that day. I watched part of the bike course and I was watching these people going by. And what I noticed with myself was first, I felt this just intense fear, this like, holy shit. Like, why are people doing this? And then I got mad because anger usually covers up fear. It's, you know, typically for vets and active duty and first responders, because then you have some power over the situation. I got mad, like, why the fuck are these assholes racing around like this? You know, what's their deal? But I knew enough about myself and about my relationship to fear at that point to know that, huh, what is this fear telling me? Why am I so afraid? I'm not doing it. And I noticed that, okay, perhaps there's something to this. There's something I need to do, something, some fear I need to face. And I said, you know what? I I wanna do one of these. I didn't know why. I really didn't know why. I had no purpose. I just like, maybe I wanna do this. I wanna challenge myself. And so I got back from Hawaii and I signed up for a half Ironman, which is half of all those distances. And, and I trained up for that along the way though of training up, I still didn't know why I was doing this. It's just kind of like a, a challenge, something I could train around. And that would have been pretty cool in itself just to do to challenge myself physically and mentally. But I was watching a movie, um, Iron Man puts out these little clips of inspirational athletes. And I saw this woman named Lisa Hallett, and she lost her husband, I believe it was in 2009 in Afghanistan, his Army veteran, John Hallett. And they were from the town right next to me in, in Concord, California. And eventually to deal with the grief, she just started running. She's like, I got to do something. I'm, I can't just sit in my grief here. I'm stuck. And for her, the answer was, I want to go on a run. And then she wanted another run, another run, run, another run. She started feeling feel better. I said, "Hey, I recognize that." And then she started um, racing to honor him, and she would wear his name on a T-shirt, and and she started an organizing organization called Wear Blue Run to Remember. And so she'd help other people run, you know, th- through their grief with their grief, and that just hit me. And for the first time in a very long time, I, I just you know, the waterworks came out, I was crying, I was connecting to this just big sense of loss and grief because I had 21 people in my unit who died that deployment. But then afterwards, there were more and more and more. So I mean, there was guys who committed suicide. There was guys who there's my friend, Josh, who went back as a contractor who was kidnapped, held and tortured for and beaten to death eventually over a year and a half period. And so it just like kept happening. And I was like, what what am I gonna do with this? And now that, especially that I was sober, like, what do I do with this? And then I figured out I can honor these guys and I can honor their families by racing in their memory and telling their families that they, their memory was still alive. And I said, oh, hell yeah, game on. And so I got a a Jersey and I put all their names on it and I said, this is my purpose now. So I had found this deep spiritual, why, you know, I found the, why am I doing this? And then there was no fucking obstacle in hell that would ever stop me from finishing a race i was like go ahead break my fucking legs i will crawl to the finish line and and it was a it was such a powerful feeling it's like now i'm not like just dominated by these fears and this sadness you know i could take that and use it as fucking a rocket fuel and so then like everything fell in alignment i started working out with a purpose i started connecting with people i started Letting myself feel these feelings, you know, while I was working out, and if I needed to cry on a run, as a grown-ass man, as a combat veteran Marine, I fucking cry, you know, and and you know, and it felt good, and I could I could say, you know, what I cry because it hurts so bad because I love these guys so much, and I'm not gonna be, you know, um, I'm not gonna pretend like it it didn't bother me because that would be dishonoring um, dishonorable to their memory, so. Then I started, uh, I did my first half Ironman, did a couple more, and then I said, you know what, I'm going to try a full Ironman, you know, ended up training up for that. And um, Ironman, the company actually surprised me, you know, because when you fill out these registrations, they say, why are you doing this? You know, what's your deal, guy? And I said, okay, I'm going to take a risk and say why I do it. And I filled it out. And I guess someone in their PR department saw that and it, it resonated with them. And they surprised me on a podcast, on a veteran podcast by, you know, having me share my story kind of like I am now. And a guy really set me up for it. Um, He's on this podcast called Zero Blog 30. And the guy goes, oh, wow, that's pretty neat. You know, you've worked through all this stuff. And, you know, you're about to do your first full Ironman. And, you know, I bet you wish you had a a bigger stage sometimes to share this message so it could really, you know, uh, help other people and I said, yeah, you know, I do, but the, the bigger stage is, you know, the world championships. And I was like, all right, I'm going to have to kind of school this dummy and tell him like, you know, you got to qualify. I'm, I'm not an elite athlete. You know, like those people are finishing these races like four hours before me, <laughs> you know, they can get a shower and basically uh, fly to another Island and back before I can, you know, cross okay. the line." And uh, he's like, Oh, that's, that's, you know, that's funny because Iron Man uh, wanted me to tell you that you're getting invited to Kona to, compete in the, the world championships this year. And that was a holy shit moment. So I got to go and do that in Hawaii in 2017. And that was incredibly hard and incredibly awesome. And I, I took that experience and decided that, what can I do now? Because that was it was really fun to be able to honor that and, and, and be on TV and everything. But after that, I found purpose carrying a flag during these races, the entire distance of the run, whether it's a half Ironman for a half marathon or a full marathon full for a full Ironman, in honor of a local Gold Star family. And I found that really connected to a deeper purpose and a why. And so now I'm doing that, I'm doing at least one a year. And I started, uh, with Ironman's permission, we started a national movement called the Gold Star Initiative, where we're getting bets across the country to do this at, at Iron Man races in their areas too. So, which I think is really cool because we have, you know, three distinct populations. You know, you got veterans or active duty Gold Star families who's, who've lost a son or daughter and then the community of civilians. And, you know, like myself, I didn't for a long time want to talk to the Gold Star families, even in our unit, because I felt so guilty about it. And the Gold Star families, they definitely wanted to talk to me. I didn't know that. And they were also feeling isolated because after the funeral for their son, you know, nobody wanted to talk to them because it felt awkward. You know, what do you say? And so they got shunned. And then you have the community who wants to help a lot of times. They just don't know how. And so you have these, like, three separate groups of people who who are just want the same thing but can't connect with the other two groups and so i said maybe this is a way we can at least start that and get that conversation going so that's what it's been and that's that's we started i started that uh this past year in 2018 and and it's gone national now in 2019 so that's i guess to make a long story long
1: (laughs) awesome so that is amazing. So any of you guys watching right now, if you're interested in doing something like that, definitely look up um, the, you said the Gold Star Initiative through? Um,
0: through through Iron Man. Yeah, through it's, Okay. I, actually this morning I'm, I'm working on the application for it. So it should go live on their website
1: in, okay. yeah. in about a week. Okay, so check that out if you're interested, if you're watching this right now and you're inspired and you want to try something like that. So definitely check it out. And then, um, another question I want to ask you was, you know, it wasn't just working out, you know, or training up for these races that kind of helped you heal, you know, what are some other kind of tips that you can give the people watching who are kind of maybe starting their own paths of healing, um, that helped you as well. So it wasn't just, you know, biking and and running and swimming, you added some other tools to your toolbox. So what, what are some of those tools?
0: Uh, You know, a couple of them were meditation and mindfulness and, you know, it didn't meditation or, you know, like deep breathing doesn't really have to take any kind of specific form. The goal of it, at least in my context, was to just notice what was happening within myself and to notice the things that I was doing. Does that align with my values or what I think was important? You know, like really checking in with myself to kind of taking a step back from the situation, noticing, am I eating this you know half gallon of ice cream by myself because I really want to, or am I doing that because I'm avoiding something else? And recognizing you know that I had a lot more choice than I thought. So the deep breathing to um to allow myself to be okay with a certain amount of discomfort, whether that be emotional or physical pain, you know. So. It really helped too, you know, when when you jump in cold ass water and you know you can say, okay, I'm I'm willing to be a little uncomfortable here. And that that feeling or that that willingness is is so powerful. And I mean all all active duty and first responders and vets know what that's like. You've gone through boot camp. You know what it's like to say, all right, this shit's gonna take as long as it's gonna take. And that's essentially it. So anyone who's gone through any kind of specific Uh, military training, already knows how to do this, which is pretty cool. So meditation, mindfulness, paying attention to why I was doing the things I was doing and making the choices that I really wanted to make with intention. Um, And looking at what I put into my body physically, you know, through, through nutrition and how much water I was drinking and looking at, okay, if I'm trying to to feel better, perhaps I should give my body the tools and the nutrients to be able to perform these physical feats and to actually feel better. You know, because it doesn't take it doesn't take a PhD to figure out, you know, when I eat a whole bunch of red vines, I feel like dog shit. Holy cow, right? And so like taking that a step further and be like, okay, so then what do I put in my body that makes me feel good? Not just what I read, um you know, not just what I saw like in the VA's like move program saying like, you know, eat a bunch of, you know, whole grains and, and, and everything else, but really say, okay, when I eat that stuff, how do I feel? How do I feel while I'm eating it? How I, how do I feel like 20 minutes after? Do I feel good? Or do I feel like shit or somewhere in between and really actually like listening to my own body?
1: Yeah, exactly. And it, yeah, for, and for you, you know, kind of one of the common themes is that mindfulness, like,
0: really paying mm-hmm.
1: attention to when you, you know, when you drink a, you know, a, a 20 ounce or a 40 ounce of Big Gulp soda, how do you feel? Like, you feel like crap. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, sure, you get a nice little buzz, you know, at first, and it tastes great. But yeah. you know, pay attention to how you feel afterwards, your body is giving you the signals that this is not helpful in any way for your body. So, and then um, the you know the nutrition and the nutrients and and minerals and things that you miss out on because you're eating a lot of processed foods. Um, and there's plenty of clinical research out there that, that that shows the correlations between people with who have mental health disorders and specific vitamin and mineral def- deficiencies. So. Um, If you missed that one, that is one of our warrior wellness talks. So go back and look for for that one and search for, we did a whole entire hour um, on that specific topic alone. So um, another question, one of the last questions here, other than, oh, I wanted to circle back to one other thing that you said before we get to the last question. So you talked about finding your why. And this is a common theme that we talk about, not only in Warrior Wellness, um, but, you know, in a lot of my live, our live coaching calls, as we kind of circle back to this topic over and over and over again. And you were able to find your why, a very, very powerful why, because it was not about you at that point. It was about honoring the fallen and honoring the fallen families, and being respectful of that with your journey, and, and coming back to Semper Fidelis, right, like, yeah. actually being faithful, and mm-hmm. act in a way that is faithful to their memories, and their loss, right, and that is such a powerful why, I mean, I got goosebumps when you talked about that, I mean, and I talk about the, the theme of not just saying i want to lose 20 pounds or i you know i want to look good when i look in the mirror or feel good about how i look in the mirror in a bathing suit that's not a powerful why guys that is that's going to be shattered in a second and that's why most people who go on this journey do not succeed because their whys suck they're really weak and they're not tied into something super powerful so what do you think that um, what are some, like, maybe an, an advice that you could give to someone who's struggling to find a strong why?
0: Well, I was recently rereading or re-listening to a book uh, by, well, his uh, pen name is Martin Meadows, and it was, I think, How to Be Disciplined, or the, the Disciplined Dieter, the Disciplined Exerciser, and uh, one of his books, and he was saying that there's three different motivators or three different reasons people make changes in their lives and one is for an external validation like if i lose 20 pounds you know this person will look at me and maybe be attracted to me more okay that is you it, it's it gets people some other way but it usually caves in when the hard times come or when it gets dark and cold out or you know when we're tired it usually doesn't last and then there's the other internal ones of like, I want to do this because I'll, I'll, I'll prove to myself that, you know, I'm able to accomplish this feat. That's more of an internal or intrinsic value. And that can get you a lot farther too. And then the one that seems to be the most powerful is what's called a pro-social um, goal or a why. You know, if, if you see your goal or if you find a why that will benefit other people then you can place your discomfort at your side. And I think especially as military and vets and first responders, that is at our core. And that's a lot easier for anyone, especially us to really grasp onto. Cause you think of any, any kind of hard situation in basic training or deployments or whatever, where you were just miserable, you know, you were in the suck, you're in a shitty situation and you looked over, you know, at your teammate and you're like, all right, I'm gonna still carry this log. Because, you know, they're important to me. I'm going to do it for them. You know, fuck the shoulder pain I have right now. And so you put aside your own discomfort for the good of the team. And that right there will get people to move mountains. And so if you can find a why that's pro-social or that, you know, that will benefit somebody else, whether it's, you know what, I'm going to get in shape. And I'm going to start eating right because my daughter deserves a good father or a mother that who can play with them and who can take them to see really cool things and have great experiences or, and, and be there when they graduate high school and, and, and meet their kids. That will, that will be there right there. And so when you find this reason, my, my suggestion would be to write it down and either place it on your mirror on a sticky note or write it on a list of things, of goals that you have and things you want to be true about yourself you know, we call this affirmations, and and read it every single morning. It doesn't have to be really long and extensive. I had one that I read for about a year that says, you know, I am patient with my kids, even when they are screaming, because I have two young kids, and I don't give up, even when times get hard. I'm kind, I'm generous to people, even when they're having a hard time, and aren't kind and generous to me, and you put all those things down and you keep it in your mind every single day. First thing when you wake up and you know, maybe you're sitting and drinking your coffee or whatever. And so it's a constant reminder. Easy thing to do. Takes two minutes. And so that way, if you keep it on your mind and you have it connected to someone else, it's going to benefit someone else. That is a powerful why. And that will get you through hell and back.
1: I love it. Yes, that's probably the best advice that we've ever gotten on any of the Warrior Wellness <laughs> series. Before. So, uh-oh, the bar is set high now. <laughs> that's fantastic. All right, so my last question for you um, is kind of along the same lines as, um, you know, some people who are watching this right now may be just starting their journey, and, um, you know, they're kind of going through that suck, you know, that, mm-hmm. that first couple of weeks where just everything sucks, they, they, you know, they're just missing their, their sweet tea, and, you know, they just are dreading doing their workout, and everything just sucks, and, you know, so I just wanted to, you know, since you've been through some serious suck <laughs> mm-hmm. with your Ironmans and everything else, Um, you know, what's your kind of one piece of advice to um, encourage those who are maybe just starting their journey right now and, um, you know, need to kind of get some inspiration and push through?
0: Yeah, if well, if you're like me, when you're starting out on this journey, the thought of an Ironman or something that big is so scary and beyond comprehension, just throw that shit in the garbage first, you know, if you need to think of, steps you know you you know if you look up and you see this goal it looks like a huge mountain like say you want to lose 50 pounds you want to run a marathon or you want to do whatever seems kind of out of your reach at the moment break it down into steps and how do i get there you know look at it like you don't just accomplish these things in one day and that's obvious to us but our brain you know there's a mind fuck that happens when we try to just go at it you know as hard as we can so i'd say you know once you set up a, a plan no matter how good or how spontaneous this plan is if you're feeling like I did this morning I I didn't sleep well last night and so I had this major swim set that was going to be pretty hard and I said okay you know what I'm going to get my ass to that that pool and I'm going to swim a lap and if I want to quit after that lap okay but I'm going to get to the pool and I'm going to swim that lap and see and then I swam a few more laps and then a few more laps and a few more laps, but I put myself in that situation. I didn't make it an all or nothing black or white kind of thing. And for me with five hours of sleep and doing a pretty huge um, bike interval session later in the evening last night, it wasn't gonna be good for me. I didn't finish the the whole set, but I did over half of it. And that was, you know, all of that was much more than I planned on originally. So it was a nice little trick for my brain and you know you show up you do one minute of whatever it is and then can you do one more minute and if you want to quit then quit then but at least you get there at least you get there and you do that one minute or whatever that little you know small bar is and i think that makes it manageable
1: yeah awesome yeah so show up just you know make the effort yeah show up and and just get started and and go from there first First step is always the
0: hardest. Oh my God. The hardest part about practicing my saxophone back when I was a full on band geek was getting it out of the case. (laughs) (laughs) If it got out of the case, there was like an 80% chance I would practice all I needed to.
1: Well, thank you so much, Mike, for being such an inspiration and uh, taking the time today to, to share your story and your journey with our Fireteam Whiskey participants. And um, I also wanted to remind everybody that Mike has an amazing podcast that I recently discovered, and as a podcast junkie... Um, I really, really enjoy his podcast, and there's some really cool stuff on there. Unlike most of the other podcasts out there about veterans' issues, they actually have some, like, guided meditation on there. So Mm -hmm. there's really practical, fantastic information. And um, so I highly encourage you to check that out, and it's called Transitions for More, and you can listen to his podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And um, thank you so much, Mike, for joining us.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. And, you know, if anyone has specific questions or wants to reach out, I'm, I'm happy to talk. So i be around.
1: People, where can people reach you if they want to reach you?
0: Probably um, Mike at transitionsformore.com um, might be the easiest. And also I'm on Facebook, Mike Ergo, and I'm on Instagram, all that shit. So however people find me on the Internet is probably the easiest. <laughs>
1: And your your website is transitionsfromwar.com?
0: Correct, transitionsfromwar.com. And every time I start my podcast, I usually have to record it a couple times because I mumble over the words, God damn it, (laughs) transitions from war. All right,
1: thank you so much, Mike.
0: Yeah, you're welcome.
1: Thanks for checking out another awesome episode of the Warrior Wellness Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify, and go ahead while you're there and leave us a review. If you screenshot your review and send it to info at fireteamwhiskey.com, we will send you some awesome swag.